All right, we are continuing our little series, Christians Act Like Christ. Why are we doing this? Because so often in our world, Christians don't act like Christ. But if we're not acting like Christ, then what are we doing? And uh, we represent the one whose name that we bear. So Adam here took us on this little exercise with the rope, the rope of relationship. Sometimes it feels like we've been pulled in one direction. Sometimes that we don't want to go. And we'll push back a little bit and we'll experience some tension. And that tension and that friction become become really, really painful to us. One of the things that Jesus says in this Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes is a lot of the time, rather than continuing our reactions and our responses, our pulling and pushing, our desire to prove that we're right, our fight against that which is wrong, is just to kind of drop our rope and say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. And so that's what this passage is about today in Matthew chapter 5. If you've got your Bible, turn to it. If you've got the app, open it up. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 38. This is one of the hardest passages in Scripture to practically live out. For a lot of people, this is a stumbling block as to why they're not going to be a Christian because it's just so hard. For me, this passage is one of the reasons I want to be a Christian because it's so hard, yet so important and so vital. And if we could apply these teachings of Jesus, then we would change the world in short notice. We're talking about what it means for Christians to act like Christ. We talked about being salt and light. We we talked about how we need to align our strongest desire with our deepest desire. Last week, Sean talked about how important it is that we go to places we don't want to go and love people we don't want to love because that's what Jesus did. Today in this scripture, Jesus is talking, I believe, about our reactions and our responses. Our reactions and our responses. It's easy to act like Jesus when we have a level playing field. When all is well, when we get to set the agenda, all that kind of stuff. But we're in relationship with one another and relationships are hard and they push and pull and we hear things that upset us. When we hear things that upset us, we often react and we respond in ways that don't imitate Jesus. Thinking about this just this morning, one of the problems in our world today is that we react to reactions which are a reaction of another reaction. And as we react and respond and react and react and react and react, we get further and further from the truth. And so in the midst of a world that likes to react, Jesus talks, I believe, to our reactions. Verse 38. It says, you have heard it said, 
an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. You, again, just count the number of paragraphs in this passage that start with the word you. Jesus has been very clear that this is to us. You have heard it said, and they had heard this said for many, many years. This principle, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, was at least over 2,000 years old. It was mentioned many times in the Old Testament, and it was called a, a principle of retaliation. That if someone did something to you, you had every right to do the exact same thing back to them. It wasn't one of the laws, it certainly wasn't one of the Ten Commandments, but it was one of the many ordinances that had been added to the law. And it kind of made sense for them. There needed to be some accountability, there needed to be some justice, there needed to be some punishment. And so the rule was, not exclusively, but the general rule was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. To some degree, that ideal was successful. Maybe it calmed some things down. Maybe it helped create a civil society. But this idea of tit for tat, you do for me and I'm going to do back for you, this notion of revenge stood opposed to the way of Jesus. He says that rule of retribution, that rule of reaction, that rule of retaliation, you who are going to bear my name have to think through that very, very carefully because it's often your reactions that will get you in trouble because we react from an emotional place. We react in a, a way that challenges us, that stirs us, that, that calls us to fight. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to bear my name, you have to watch your reaction. Then he goes on to give three examples of how we are to react. Now, I think these truths that he tells that you have heard many, many times are things that we should uh, try and practice as best we can. But there's no doubt that in these passages, Jesus is talking hyperbolically. And so before we get into these three little examples, I want to be very, very clear on what Jesus is not saying in this verse. He talks about if someone is slapping you, turn the other cheek. He talks about if someone steals from you, let him steal more. He talks about if someone demands of you something, go the extra mile. Let me be very clear on what Jesus is not saying in this passage before we talk about what he is saying. Jesus is not saying that abuse of any kind is right. Jesus is not saying that if you are being abused, you should let the abuser continue to abuse you. That is not what Jesus is saying. 
I know I have met with, and I'm sure you know of people who have been in very hurtful, hungry, horrible, toxic relationships where someone does the first part of these examples, but the one who has been abused needs to stop and say, you cannot do that to me. Jesus is not giving permission for any kind of abuse. And he's saying, if you are abused, then you need to get out of that. Don't allow it. But he goes on to share three stories. And I think what Jesus is saying here, beyond the incidents, is what we do with our reaction to them. Because as we said, it's often our reaction that gets us in trouble. So this first illustration, if someone slaps you on your right cheek, then turn the other to him also. The story here is that if someone is angry with you, maybe they're reacting to a reaction to a reaction, and they get you on the right cheek, then you turn the other cheek and let them get you back. Now again, Jesus is not talking about being abused. He's not saying that you should let that happen. What he's saying in this first illustration is that he's asking the question, how do we respond when we are insulted? How do we respond when we are insulted? The clue in this verse is when it says you are slapped on the right cheek. So imagine you're face to face with someone. If you're going to get someone's right cheek, you have to slap them with the back of your hand. If you're going to slap them with the front of your hand, I would imagine you would have to get the other cheek. In Jesus' day, in Jesus' culture, to show someone, to show someone the back of your hand was an insult. What this first illustration is about is not about the slap. It's about the insult. And Jesus is saying here, how do you respond to insults? Let me ask that question to you. How do you respond to insults? I'll tell you exactly what I do most of the time. I'll insult back. Because insults hurt me, and when I'm hurt, I want to hurt the other person. Jesus is saying... When you are insulted, please don't insult back. Well, we know how that plays out, right? You insult me, so I insult you. And then you're insulted, so you insult me back. Then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and uglier and uglier and more and more painful. And Jesus says, if you're going to act like me, don't respond to insults. In fact, make insult 
such a non-issue in your life that you say to the other person, hey, if that's all you've got and that's what you need to do, you can do it more because your insult isn't going to hurt me because what you say about me, who you think I am, is less than what God says about me, and I'm believing what he says. The first thing that Jesus is saying here in his first illustration about how we react is when someone insults you, don't insult back. This isn't a principle that Jesus just said but didn't do. As we look through the pages of the the New Testament, especially as it gears up to the cross, there are people left, right, and center who are insulting Jesus. But he responds to that insult with love. It's by not taking on board and reacting to insult that we build Christ-like character. I was reading the other day um, a copy of Martin Luther King's volunteer sign-up if you wanted to march with him, if you wanted to stand with him. It, it, was, it was called a, a commitment to a non-violence response. And he has his people pledge to 10 things about how they are going to respond. Number eight says this. We are going to refrain from violence and fist, violence of fist, tongue, and heart when people are violent to us with fist, tongue, and heart. In the midst of not just verbal insults, but physical insults. Martin Luther King was saying, we are going to be measured in our reaction. We are going to respond with love and not hate. Because a hateful reaction just makes things worse, but a loving reaction is going to make things better. Jesus is saying here, if you want to act like me, And you've got to ask yourself, how are you going to react when someone insults you? Last week I was involved in this Better Man event. One of our speakers was a pastor called A.R. Bernard. And in his presentation, he taught me something about how we can manage our response to insult. He talked very vulnerably about how in his early years of marriage and ministry, his marriage was really on the rocks and his wife wanted to divorce him. And he knew that he had caused insult time and time again by the things he said and by the way he lived. And so she said, I've got some decisions to make. I'm going to go away and make it. And he said, fair enough, because he knew he'd offered insult. She came back to him a few weeks later and said, God spoke to me. And he told me what I've got to do. And he's like, man, I 
Hope he told you something good. He said, God told me to love the Christ in you beyond the you that keeps insulting me. Love the Christ in you beyond the you that keeps insulting me. And that spoke to me so powerfully. Because so often when I'm insulted, I want to insult back. And sometimes those people, I, I think, deserve an insult back. But those people who are causing the insults are people who are loved by God. If I insult back, it makes it harder for them to see and receive and know the love of Jesus. If we want to act like Christ, let's ask how do we react when we're insulted? Secondly, someone wants to sue you and take away your shirt. Let him have your coat as well. This conversation was a legal conversation. Everybody had a shirt, and a shirt was a whole lot more than a piece of clothing. For some people, that's all they had. For some people, um, that was it. So in the court of law, if someone got sued and they couldn't pay back, then out of spite, the law said that, well, you could take the shirt. So the person would have nothing. Give him this thing. Jesus says if someone comes at you like that, then don't just give them your shirt. Give them your cloak as well. If you had one, give them your coat. The coat was a little bit different. People would often sleep under the, the cloak, under the coat. It was like a tent. It was their only security. It was the, the stuff that they had. What Jesus is saying here. When your rights are violated, watch how you react. When your security is threatened, watch how you react. None of us like injustice. There's a biblical imperative that we speak out against injustice. But Jesus is saying, when your rights are challenged, watch how you react. Why does he say that? Because he knows and he says and he models that a follower of Jesus Christ has surrendered their rights to him. And it's God's responsibility to provide and take care. One of the ways that we let ourselves down as Christians is that we spend too much time fighting for rights rather than carrying the responsibility that God has given us. You hurt me. I demand. I need. And we get into these battles about rights when the call of Christianity is to surrender our rights and take up our responsibility. I sat on a uh, board here in the county and we were talking about an event that we were doing to um, empower teenagers and help them understand their rights. 
And I think it's really important that we protect one another's rights. But around the table, someone says, what are we doing to teach the teenagers responsibility? I thought, what a great question. Because we've become a world that lives to protect our rights when the call of the gospel is to surrender our rights to Jesus and take up the responsibility that he gives us. The second challenge that Jesus is giving here is when your rights are challenged, how are you going to react? Thirdly, if anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. What's going on here is that there was a very clear and very efficient mail delivery system in place. All the different routes were uh, mapped out about a mile. They had supplies on the route so that you would deliver your, your stuff and then that was it. But the Romans had the power to say, okay, you're not done for the day. You keep going. Instead of just doing one mile, you need to go and work for two miles. And by the way, the, the comforts and the replenishment stuff, that's not going to, to be there. And a person was compelled to do this. The third thing Jesus is asking is, how do you respond when you're compelled to do something? Do, do you stand your ground and dig your heels in and say, no, I'm above that? No, who do you think you are? And our ego kind of swells. Jesus is saying when you react, minimize your, your ego. Christians act like Christ. The first thing that Jesus is saying here in these verses is watch your reaction. Watch your reaction. When someone insults you, respond with love. When your rights are violated, take responsibility. If someone compels you to do something you don't want to do, act like Jesus would act. Go the extra mile, go deeper. Jesus is saying, if you want to act like me, act. If you want to act like me, watch how you react. Then he goes on to say this, an equally hard passage. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. This first passage, Jesus is talking about how we react. And if we don't react in a godly way, we ruin our witness. Now he's talking about once you've subdued your reaction and thought it through, how are you going to respond? And he says there's only one way to respond. And it's to respond in love. You, again, have heard it said, love your neighbor. Jesus wanted to be very clear about the thing that, that, that maybe some had implied in that. That if we can love our neighbor, then it's okay to hate our enemy. Jesus is saying it's not that way at all. 
In fact, he told the parable of the Good Samaritan because he wanted to say, hey, your neighbor is not just those that you like. They're the people that you don't know and don't like as well. Let me raise the bar for you, he says. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. Man, that is so hard, especially when the person doesn't think like us or act like us or vote like us or whatever like us. We make enemies all too easily. And that desire to make enemies, that state we found ourselves in, stands contrary to the gospel of Jesus. He says, you were an enemy once, but now you're a friend of God. Your enemies are acting like enemies, perhaps because they're not yet friends with God. And the way to make them friends with God is to love them. Love your enemies. One of my favorite stories of Abraham Lincoln, he was in conflict a lot, right? He was in his office as a president once, and his secretary came in and said, Mr. Lincoln, one of your enemies is here and would like to meet you. Do you want me to get rid of him? Which was code for, would you like me to have him killed? Lincoln brought him into his office and says, I know of no better way than to destroy an enemy by becoming his friend. Jesus is saying the same thing. We have too many enemies. Our world is in conflict all the time. And Jesus says, let's not live like that. Let's love our enemies and in doing so, make them a friend. Because we know that once they are loved, once they are cared for, once they see the love that we have received, it will change them. Pray for those who persecute you. It is so hard to hold on to bitterness and anger towards someone when we're praying for someone. With every prayer that we pray for our enemies, that bitterness melts, it disappears. Jesus at first is talking about our reaction. Now he's talking about our response. He says, if you want to look like me, you've got to figure out how you're going to respond when someone angers you or hurts you or positions themselves as your enemy. And let me just tell you what that response needs to be from those who bear my name. It's that you will love back. Because that's what we do. Because it's love that changes everything. Verse 45, I think, is so important here. We miss it. We love our enemies so that we may be children of our Father in heaven. That sounds a lot like the the, the sentence we're using for this series, Christians act like Christ. If we love our enemies, then we can be called. We're worthy to be called children of a good father in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise and the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. God loves those who are evil as much as he loves those who are good. And so let's love one another. He says, for if you love those who love you, what reward are you going to have? Saying that's easy. Everybody does that. But me just loving the people who love me first, that's not going to change anything. That's actually going to further separate the world and create these little cliques and silos that doesn't fix problems, that doesn't fight for justice, that doesn't bridge the gap. Even the tax collectors who you despise, they do that. They've got that little tax collecting association where they all gather and tell each other how great they are. But you know that they're not great. Don't be like them. 47, and if you greet only your brothers and sisters, those who love you, what are you doing that's out of the ordinary? Do you see that? I love that phrasing in this verse. If you can only love those who love you, what are you doing that's out of the ordinary? Implied in that is that those of us who love and follow Jesus are called to live extraordinary lives. Jesus didn't save us so that nothing can change and that everything stays ordinary. Jesus went to the cross and died for us and forgave us and freed us and taught us and changed us and transformed us so that we can not be ordinary, but that we can be extraordinary. And Jesus is saying here, one of the marks of being extraordinary because Jesus has changed your life is that you love your enemy, that you pray for those who persecute you. Because even the Gentiles, there's another group that you don't like, they do that. But you, you live differently. Let your reaction and your response be extraordinary in an ordinary world. Then he wraps it up by saying this, verse 48. After teaching his people how to react and how to respond, he says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Of course, perfection is not a standard that any of us are going to reach this side of glory. But the invitation and the challenge for us is to move towards that. This word perfect in the Greek is the word teleos. And it's not some here unreachable, nebulous state. It's actually an action verb. It's an encouragement to align ourselves with Jesus, to get in the perfect will of God. What some translations say is we, we dig pretty deep 
is that in this challenge to be perfect, what God is actually saying to us is be aligned with God. Think like him, respond like him, react like him, act like him. After telling us how to react or not to react, after inviting us to respond in a way that turns the tables upside down, in an effort to help us fulfill these humanly impossible actions. He says, let me tell you how you do it. If you want to react differently, if you want to respond well, then you must align yourself with the way of me. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Think like me, act like me, speak like me, react like me, respond like me. If we're going to sit down and say, okay, how do I train my reaction? Man, you may get a little bit further forward, but you're not going to get enough. If you say, God, I, I, I want to work out my response we can get a little bit better on our own, but we can't get far enough. Jesus says, if you want to measure and change your reaction and your response, you need to trust me and you need to come like me. A couple of years ago, I met a pastor called Anthony Thompson. Anthony was the pastor at the church in South Carolina, where a young man called Dylan Roof came in and shot several people at a Bible study. You remember the story. It was tragic. It was horrible. It was racist. It was evil. But Anthony tells the story of how just a week later, he was able to go and see Dylan roof in prison and say to him, even though you are my enemy, even though you killed my wife, the most precious thing about me, because God has forgiven me and I am called to live a Christ-like life, I forgive you. I heard that story, and my first thought was, man, I can never do that. And then my second thought was, yeah, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Jesus is saying, what's your reaction? What's your response? But the way to appropriately react and to appropriately respond can only happen when you're pursuing him. There's lots of frustration in our life and in our world right now. There are lots of situations where we react in ways that make things worse and we respond in ways that further hate. 
But Jesus said, if you are going to bear my name, if you are going to call yourself a Christian, then you must act like Christ. And where you want to hate, you must love. And where you want to destroy, you must build. And where you want to write off, you must invite. Because throughout his life, Throughout his ministry, Jesus was a testimony that living this extraordinary way is the way to redeem the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there's a lot of push and pull in life. And our reaction and our response causes all kinds of friction and burning and struggle and problems. But Lord, you taught us a radically different way. You said when we're insulted, let it go. When our rights are challenged, pick up our responsibility first to you. When we're compelled to do something we don't want to do, go further Lord, I pray for my friends here and at home and on screens. Lord Jesus, help us react in Christ-like ways. And then you went went way beyond that. You said that, no, you know that person who drives you crazy, who makes you mad, who hurts you deeply. You keep loving them. You keep showing my love to them. Because it's my love that is the only thing that has the power to change the human heart. Lord, we ask that you would redeem this world. We pray that you would use our reactions and our responses in that process. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that we as your people would act like the Christ whose name we bear. And we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.